All right, everybody, we are back here on another episode of the Coastal Connection. We are going to uh, dive right in today with our first topic as Luke puts down his popcorn. On Sunday night, Brian Kelly, after the Notre Dame fight and Irish win their game, drops a, I'm really into, what do you say, Luke? I'm really into execution. He was, he was trying to make an old John McKay joke when John McKay was the head coach for the Bucks, And they asked, Coach, what do you think of your team's execution today? And he said, I'm all for it because <laughs> they didn't execute at all. And, and so, so the thing that I laugh at with Brian Kelly is, first off, he forced the joke in there, whereas John McKay's came about organically. Therefore, the joke was not nearly as good, even if it is a funny comment. Uh, secondly, the reaction was obviously hilarious, but then immediately Brian Kelly getting asked in the press conference and and rightfully say, no, 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 it was a joke. Got me thinking about what if a player said something like that about like after a game about one of their coaches, would Brian Kelly be so ha 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 it was just a joke what do you guys think um i don't i don't think so because isn't it brian kelly one of those no nonsense head coaches so it might have been a big deal and then once the player would have said it was a joke and he hit social media then you would have had the traditional yeah we sat down and talked about it and you know the the usual line uh we we talked about it and we uh we resolved it in my office the 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 political line, but I don't think Brian Kelly would be happy about it. But you could tell he's not very he's not a jokester. I, that that's it, the it, only reason I thought it was dumb. You got to be funny to to pull something like that off. That, that, that just shows it's probably really hard to work with him. <laughs> very yes, very very good yeah. point. Very good yeah. point. He was he was trying to be funny, and he just like think botched execution he just botched the joke you know if, as, if as, he was on the Le, the levitard show he would get the loser game show sound for how horrible that joke was yeah and um i think i think like rod and i talked a little bit about it too um the 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 kind of reaction from it was just what you think like you saw it and you're like oh man i know he didn't actually mean to say that like you know what I mean? well he did mean like, to say that he just can't deliver a joke. That's what I think. But yes, it was not. It, the reaction was funny because it was like, there, there's a little bit of, uh, I think you can say, eh, I don't know if that was necessarily what you would want to say and how you'd want to say it. But you always knew it was going to go too far beyond that. Yeah, exactly. He, uh, he kind of he kind of crossed that line a little bit. The fact that he idolized John McKay is a good sign, though. That's a really good sign. I mean, Brian Kelly is a good coach. He just seems like a kind of like you said, bro, hard to work with, a red ass. Uh, there <laughs> might be, but there might be blood on his hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the other thing. A lot of people on social media were saying was it was kind of in poor taste, considering that Notre Dame lost a staffer this year when he put him. It wasn't, up in- it wasn't this year. It was a couple it years ago. Yeah. No, it was, it was probably like three or four years ago, I think. Was it really that far ago? Yeah. I just remember hearing about it this past year. All right, so I think that's about that all we got on the Brian Kelly thing. It was more just 
not funny and funny in that way. But so we're going to move on to with uh, week one of the NFL season starting this week. And currently, as we do this, we are also watching this Dallas uh, Tampa Bay game. But just thinking about some interesting things that we're looking for coming up. So the first thing that I saw on the schedule is the Browns at the Chiefs and more specifically the Browns defensive line versus the Chiefs new offensive line. And we'll see what Andy and Eric Bieniemy have in store, both, you know, just play-wise, formation-wise, but also scheme-wise, how they're going to try and block the uh, Browns front and if and how good the Browns can get pressure with their front four. Obviously, we know that's always going to be the key to winning against a, a great quarterback. Uh, what are you guys looking for in that game? Uh, two things. So first thing is, like you said, Chiefs offensive line. They made – I didn't realize until I saw the other day, like they replaced all five guys on their offensive line. Like they were all five new all the way across the board. And we've known before with Kansas City, one of the things they do well is they basically uh, – one of the only teams in the league that actually, you know, five men out a lot of times. Just five on five or five linemen, no back protection, release the back every play. So do they still have the ability to do, to do that? And if they can, on top of that, um, how do those guys look? Like, are there a few guys that are rusty? I know they picked up a couple veterans. They had a rookie, I think, that they started or that they're moving in that was uh, off COVID last year. And then the other part is obviously for the Browns, like, I know it's an obvious, easy question mark, but how's Baker Mayfield look? Like, does he take another jump or are the training wheels still on him in second year of the system? Like, are they still just nothing but play, heavy play action, boot off that, and don't allow them to really drop back and see the field a lot? That'd be the biggest difference for me. Chiefs O-line and Browns quarterback. I'm going to flip it on you guys. I want to see this Chiefs defense because they have probably the most underrated defense to secondary in the NFL, right? You got some good guys coming back. You got Breland coming back, Tyron Matthew. You know what I mean? I want to see what their defense does. I think if their defense gets any better, possibly, well, they're going back. They're going back to Super Bowl no matter what. But Man, we got a prediction. <laughs> but Lock it in. Defense, we'll we'll check back. We'll check back in the playoffs. Gronk touchdown. Your defense, your defense uh, needs to go over a threshold to become great and not just good. I think if the Chiefs defense goes over that threshold, we can see something amazing this year from them. Yeah, I just – I don't think that the Chiefs defense has the ability to be great. I think they're good. I think – or no, I, I would describe them as opportunistic. And I think Spagnolo does a good job of employing his strengths or deploying his strengths and playing to them and – one of his strengths is creating a lot of confusion and he has some players that thrive when confusion is created, mainly Tyron Matthew, uh, Chris Jones up front as well is um, a a guy. If you can create confusion, he's going to be going to be a wrecking ball. But I row, I do agree with you that the chiefs defense is uh, always your, Oh, I should always be on them. They have the ability to, play great when they're opportunistic and taking advantage of those. 
And this Browns offense is good. Like the Browns, this Browns offense is, is good and it will test them uh, on multiple levels. We'll see if they can also test them with a uh, uh, above average drop back pass game too. As, as Luke alluded to, that wasn't really a big staple of the offense last year. So that'll be interesting. Brown's evolution of their offense as well. Yeah. I, uh, last time I checked, though, I think Odell was questionable. I don't know if he's playing or not, but they had him as questionable. But I mean, they were still they were still good without him last year. So yeah, that's true. Above average. That's true. Yeah. Luke, any any last things on this game? No, I think one of y'all said it. The perfect thing is opportunistic. That's the way I think of the Chiefs defense. Like they're not going to be perfect. All right, they're not going to be. They're not going to be like lock everyone out and shut everyone out seven to nothing, but they take advantage of the opportunities they have. And I still see them doing that. Like I thought um, actually one of the first podcasts we did, we started talking about the NFL playoffs and it was whenever Chiefs and Browns played each other. And I remember walking away from the game, just being impressed with the Chiefs overall team speed on defense. You know, with their the way their safeties played, the way they came down. Spagnolo playing a bunch of th- a bunch of three safeties because yeah. Honey Badger, yeah. basically. Exactly. Exactly. And I would be curious to see how they go ahead and do that again. But then again, I mean, you know, to me, the biggest answer is not that defense, but how the Browns respond, like um, how their running game is. Do they repeat? Like it's always it's always different in a year two when there's actually expectations like rod said it earlier like you said earlier before we even started podcasting rod you're like i think the browns are actually going to be good this year like when's the last time you've actually legitimately never never in my life legitimately so like that alone with itself anytime you're talking about a team like you actually say hey we have expectations sometimes that changes as wizards say sometimes that changes everything and I know Roe is the biggest Browns fan in the world. He thinks they're going to win like five Super Bowls in a row. In a row, dang, bro, you're up. That's a second. Is that a second prediction? We're locking in. So wait, wait, Luke. No, here's a prediction. Luke, who who does he think's winning this year? Then the Chiefs or the Browns? I think you think Auto. I think Roe thinks that Auto Graham is coming back and it's leading it to five straight NFL slash AAFL championships. What is it? It was Jim Brown there. With them? Uh, I think he was, but I always remember. Auto Graham. I need you guys to stop this madness. We will never okay. see the All right, you're right. No, we're going we're gonna to move on to one of your other favorite people. We're going to go check in with the LA Rams and the Chicago Bears. The debut of Matt Stafford. Will Wonderboy uh, take him to new heights? is the well i mean let's see what the Rams secondary looks like outside of jalen ramsey that losing both of their safeties see see what banking on us using safeties in the draft and that's about it and not paying for them works out obviously always get to watch aaron donald uh be a wrecking ball the bears they're not starting justin field so the offense seems uh a little hurting with andy dalton at quarterback even if justin fields is just as good at or or just as bad as Andy Dalton, he would be he would be more exciting. So, what, what are you guys looking for in that game, Row? First game, first regular season game in SoFi with fans. Oh boy, 
you put me on the spot against the Rams, and I know you guys are just waiting for me to just say something just outlandish. I, I don't even care. I'm not I'm not here to argue with you today. <laughs> I this is what I'm curious about, right? The defense is going to be the defense. We're not worried about the defense. What 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 I'm worried about? What I, I they got what I'm worried about. I'll just say this say about, about wait. This, be, this is be, what I want to see before you move on. The defense will be the defense. New defensive coordinator for the third straight year. I I always feel like that's a little pause. That's what. But when you when you have when you have ninety nine, you have nothing to worry about. I mean, JJ Watt at the height of his uh, stardom was on a three and ten or three and a thirteen, four and twelve team. So, well. 99 on the height of his starter went to the Super Bowl and went to the playoffs every year. So let's keep it rolling, baby. I, I like it. I like it. I like it. Okay, <laughs> continue. Continue. But uh, so here, I'm curious to see what they do with the new quarterback, right? I'm really curious to see what they do with the new quarterback because now they have a big arm quarterback. So how do you – use your big arm quarterback in your West Coast offense type of offense, right? You got a guy that you have a receiver, he's on the older side, but he can still run fast and make big plays. So you have somebody to take the top off. You have everything you need. You have him to take the top off with Cooper and Robert Woods being better than him. Yes. Yes. So that's what I'm saying. So like you have everything you need. There's no more excuses. It's all on you now, buddy. Call it up, dial it up. You should be able to get it done. I just I like how I like how you put all the pressure on McVay. That's great. Take it away, Luke. <laughs> I don't even. I, I disagree. I don't even think McVay is just a straight drop back, dink and dunk West Coast offense. Like I think his offense has always been, you know, outside zone, jet motion, big boots off of it, and now he's got a guy that you can jet and run outside zone and take actual legitimate shots down the field. And then when it's third and 10, you have a guy that can actually drop back and fit the ball into tight windows and move around and pressure and see things. So I'm really excited to see that. With that being said, I don't anticipate like game one, they easily could and I could look like an idiot. I don't anticipate game one, they're going to come out and look everything perfect and they're going to score 45 points. I think there'll be hiccups like the Bears – traditionally the last four or five years in the league have been one of the best defenses and they've always stifled everybody. And there's even a time two or three years ago where they stifled the Rams when the Rams were running through the league. So I think it will be lower scoring than people think. I still think the Rams win. Um, Luke, the only thing I'll say about two years ago, they had Vic Fangio then. That's that that is a big a big deal about a defense. They did, but they've been but they've been pretty good on defense the last two years too. Yeah, so actually when you were just talking, Luke, I you were talking about being able to take shots off the play action game and everything. And I actually think McVeigh and Goff were able to do that. Well, the whole Shanahan uh, Alex Gibbs line down there always do, does a good job of taking shots off play action, especially because their play action with the outside zone and the, and now incorporating the jets are so good. The third and 10 stuff is, and not even only on third and 10, you know, the proverbial, but seeing what Matt Stafford can do when things break down on any down, which is where Jared Goff crumbled. 
Right. And I yeah. actually, I, and I think it's even if like Stafford is not an elite quarterback, I think off like off rhythm, he is pretty solid. Right. And I think McVeigh does a very good job of doing the scheming up on the front end. So if things are on rhythm, things are open and you're able to move the ball. So that's, that's why I'm excited about the Rams. I think that because of that, their offense can take a jump, even if the aggregate quarterback play is not like way better, but it's just in these certain crucial areas to be a really good team, a really good quarterback or, or a really good team, like up a team's level. Those are where you have to make, make your money. And I think Stafford can do that. Right. I think they have right. everything they I think they have everything they need as far as the receiving core too. You know what I mean? They have somebody to take the top off. Yes. They have somebody they have yeah. a possession receiver. They have somebody who can run very good routes and get open when you need to get open. Before it was just, you know, a bunch of well, Robert Woods can get open when you can get open and the Cooper Cup was a possession but, receiver. But the Super Bowl year, the Super Bowl year, what did they have? Brandon Cooks, top yeah. off. So, no, so it could be how many be, times did they take the top off though? Did they throw a lot more deep passes? I can't remember. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know the stats, but I do know that they had those different receivers that threatened each level of the field. And being a Deshaun fan, I'm really, really excited for even just the Stafford big arm and McVeigh running jet sweep with the deep post and Deshaun being the deep post guy. I'm telling you guys, four plus 50 yard. Touchdowns this year. Lock it in. Lock well, it in. And the other thing, the other thing that I think will help too from Stafford's side, we've talked all about what McVay got out of golf. What is Stafford gonna get out of McVay? And you talked about too the other thing, Rod, is like McVay does a great job of scheming a lot of stuff open, but not only that, but setting stuff up through his play action game, through his shot game. So for the first time really in Matt Stafford's career. I feel like. I mean, I'm sure there were some times in Detroit where they hit some stuff, but consistently throughout a year, for the first time, you have a guy that um, is scheming stuff through your run game that's opening everything else up through your pass game. You know, we talked about uh, in a previous podcast, Matt Stafford has never had a thousand yard rush in his entire, in, in his entire career in Detroit, never had a guy rush for a thousand yards. He was not going to have one this year either. Yeah, I was going to say he might not this year, but he'll but have he, a good but, run game. Well, yeah, which is the difference. That's, that's, that's the difference. Little, but that's that's a little misleading. But he'll still have he'll have a good run, run game, game now. Yes, compared to okay. in Detroit. Think about that's over a we, we got we got to move on because now we're doing like a whole Rams season preview <laughs> off that. Because <laughs> well, um, Rose going to kiss the ring this year. I know. Okay, so ne- next one we're going to jump to. Luke, take it away. We got Mac Jones home opener versus the Miami Dolphins. I'll, before you go to that, I'll just say the thing I'm looking for, Brian Flores, that Miami Dolphins defense, very, very good. What does that do for the rookie? What does he has in st- have in store for him? And then on the flip side, you got those Patriots. The Patriots added all these new skill position players. And what is this potentially kind of new look offense? People are saying we're going back to the Brady style offense. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Luke, take it away. Ooh, Patriots versus Patriots light, baby. That's what I oh, was. Oh, you're go- so you're going light. So you got Patriots over the Dolphins. 
Yeah, I mean, um, so a few things. Obviously, like, I always look at it from this perspective, so I think it just comes down to the NFL. You have uh, quarterback versus quarterback, too. Like, you have Mac Jones in his first start. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of trust invested in him that I don't think when he got drafted even – like we saw it as maybe a possibility that he'd start for the Patriots this year. I don't know that we saw like week one, they would cut Cam Newton before the season started and Mac Jones would be their starter. Like that's great still dude. But as, as Ryan alluded to, like the Patriots have added some guys on at the skill position. They added Johnny Smith. They added Hunter Henry. They added Nelson Aguilar. So they added some guys and then they also still have, four or five guys on defense who were opted out of the season last year that will be back. So you still think the Patriots will be back. Patriots will be better. I don't want to say back. They're not University of Texas. Only UT is back. But um, the Patriots will still be back. And then the bigger, you know, I think they'll be improved. But it's the bigger question, like, what are the Dolphins going to be? What is what is what is Tua, Tagovo- Tua Tungavailoa going to be? Last year, I don't think – I think the stat said he didn't complete a single pass past 30 yards the entire year as a starter. That's crazy. So not, That's not good, Coach. So how can he, as, as this year, and he's willingly admitted in the offseason, he said, I didn't take the playbook seriously enough. I didn't learn the plays. I don't know if I believe that or whether it's just like him saying that now. But either way – I don't. How can he – take a next step and make some explosive plays for the Dolphins that do have a a fairly good roster outside of that. And then within that, they seem like they have a really good team culture and play within themselves. With all that being said, Patriots are a three-point favorite. I think they cover. I think the Patriots win by about 10. Oh. It's just so – this one is so hard because, like, you do see Brian Flores, a.k.a. B-Flow, trying to make this emergence. And he's doing a good job in Miami. You can't say he's not doing a good job. I think he's doing a really good job in Miami with what he has. And then you have Belichick. And you have the Belichick system, which is, like, quote-unquote unproven, Right? And then you have a rookie quarterback who's going to come in, make his first start in the NFL. So then you start to ask yourself, are we going to see the sequel, right? Or maybe, maybe not. But you have so like, – like you said, like you, have, you have a good number of guys coming back on defense. And the Patriots pride themselves on defense. So, like, so now you're asking yourself, are we going to get the old Patriots? Or are we going to go through this rebuilding phase and the Patriots will be back down the road? So, like, for me, the jury's out. If the Dolphins were to win, it wouldn't be surprising because of what they're building over there. But if the Patriots just smoke them and they look like the Patriots Patriots are the old, that also wouldn't be surprising either. You know, totally, this, totally would be surprising if the if the Patriots smoke the Dolphins. Totally, not would. to me. Totally, not would. to me. Not totally to me. would. Uh, I I am interested to see what that Patriots offense looks like. Especially, I mean, they were they were so depleted last year, 
and then in the second half, Cam was just, it was just like such a horrible offense to watch. So it'll be interesting what McDaniels with these new weapons uh, has in store. Nobody that's, that is exciting you a lot. So, you know, it'll be, it'll be a more greater than the sum of its parts type thing. Yeah. I, I, I kind of think so too, but I don't, again, I said, I could see the Patriots winning by 10, seven. I don't see that being like a smoke. To me, a smoke is like they beat them by 21. I, I could see the Patriots going in there and beating the Dolphins, which I think they will, you know. But um, I just I just think they'll come back and they'll be a little more hungry going into the year and be, I don't want to say more focused than the Dolphins because that's like kind of taking a shot at another team not being focused. I just think they'll be incredibly efficient early on in the year, even with Mac Jones. I am curious to see actually something. I'm curious to see how they manage him. Like uh, probably manage him different than obviously like everyone makes Brady comparison. Like Brady was very just run the ball, run the ball, manage the game. Like I know they'll be good on defense, but they still are going to have to put up points on offense. So as a rookie quarterback, how do you manage him going into his first start ever in the NFL? You know he's going to make mistakes. You know things are going to happen. And you know Mac Jones is more limited than other guys on making stuff happen outside the pocket. So all good thoughts. All right. We're, we're going to move on to our next interesting game. We're traveling to Jacksonville, but it is not a game involving the Jacksonville Jaguars because we will not speak of that game beyond this comment right here. We're actually talking about the Green Bay Packers versus the New Orleans Saints in Jacksonville. We got famous Jameis Winston coming back, making his first start since he left Tampa Bay two years ago. Am I correct on that? Yes, because Taysom Hill started last year. Uh, We have Aaron Rodgers in his uh, assumed last year in Green Bay, an angry Aaron Rodgers. We have a new defensive coordinator in Green Bay, we have the Saints in salary cap hell with no Michael Thomas as well. If I'm looking at this game, obviously I'm excited to watch Jameis Winston because that's a roller coaster. Obviously always excited to watch Aaron Rodgers and definitely think he's out for blood this year. Even if it's not quite last year, he's gonna, I think he's going to be very, very good. And then what – I mean, the Packers, they're, they're the Super Bowl contender. What is your defense, new, new look defense looking like? I think I think those are all three interesting things to watch in this week one matchup. Did the secondary get better? That would be my first question. I, I think I'm pretty sure it's pretty much the same. The secondary didn't get better. They have no shot. Yeah, I mean, but, no shot at what? I mean, I mean, when we're talking about the Packers, we're not just talking about winning the division, getting out the first round of the playoffs. We're talking about winning the Super Bowl, right? Because that's the we're saying that's the caliber of team that they have. Like, they didn't, like I, mean, we, I mean, they were arguably two of some of the worst plays you'll ever see NFL DBs make away from winning the NFC championship game and going to the Super Bowl. So I, I think they're saying. always close. I, I, we know they're close, right? We're talking about being a championship team. But their secondary hasn't got better than, you know what I mean? If you don't fix the part, if you don't fix the part of, if you don't fix the problem, you're not going to get any better, right? Um, I just want to see if the secondary got better. 
curious to see what they do with the defense. It's easy to blame the coordinator when you have bad talent on the field. You know? Uh, also, you know, I, I know you guys are going to get mad at me, but I got into an argument with a dude at work because he said that Aaron Rodgers is mentally tapped out. And I told him he was out of his mind because this is going to be the best year you ever see Aaron Rodgers have because this is a trial for him. He still has – he's going to prove that he's worth the money for somebody to sign him. I don't think it's going to be the best year he ever had because that's pretty hard to beat. But I that's think That's a little exaggeration. I think I agree with you that he's going to be really good. Like, yeah. Like, the, the greats, which we all agree that Aaron Rodgers is, a, is an all-time great – I mean, they live for these slights on the shoulder, go out and prove it times. Like, they live for that stuff. So, Joe with the Chiefs. That's what I always think of. Yeah. So, I am not, not worried about Aaron Rodgers at all. Yeah. Luke, and Aaron Luke, Rodgers has some shit to him. So, he's going to do some shit this year that is just, I think is going to be amazing. Some, like, kind of don't give a fuck, watch this type of shit. Yes. Okay, Luke, what do you got for this, this specific game this week? Well, first off, starts with Jameis. I mean, what? I mean, kind of, kind of just amazing. Like we talked about, it's been two years since he started, and the last time he started, I think his last pass as an NFL starter ended with a pick six <laughs> in so. overtime to get the thirty thirty season. He yes. he threw a season ending pick six in overtime to get the thirty thirty season. That's why he's a legend. But he clearly proved in the offseason, like I thought we all thought he would, that um, that he, he was going to be better than Taysom Hill and could deliver an offense and make throws on rhythm. I'm just I'm just really – honestly, I, that's what I'm most curious about. Like, how is Jameis Winston going to look in a Sean Payton offense? Not a vertical-oriented, down-the-field offense. You know, one thing about Sean Payton, everyone thinks, oh, you know, the Saints – and there have been years where with Drew Brees, they've thrown the ball all around the yard, okay, especially based on personnel and when their defense wasn't very good. But the last few years, you know, Sean Payton teams have run the ball well as well. So how, how Jameis is going to look, not in a game where he's a game manager, but where he does have a good running game, is, a, is able to set up some hard play action. And then I really think even maybe more than Andy Reid, Sean Payton may be the best rhythm play designer in the game now what i mean by that is like three step boom hit your drop and get where you're going get it to the back get it to the tight end get it to this guy like it's what drew Brees made a killing on for the last you know 17 18 years in the league they threw on rhythm on schedule more than anybody so how does Jameis integrate himself into that how different does sean payton's scheme look now that it's not drew Brees dropping back and throwing one, two, three on rhythm. One, two, three spacing, hit the spot over the ball. You know, spot over the ball to the to the mini curl. All that stuff. How does that change with Jameis? And then on top of that, like, Roe brought up a good point about Packers defense. You know, what what adjustments and what, what new schemes have they done or, or what changes have they made? But like you said, I mean, they were not, <laughs> even defensively last year, they were not, they were a few really bad plays away from being in the Super Bowl. So um, I'm excited to see all that. You know, on paper, the the Packers have a much better roster. You know, the Saints had to cut a lot of guys this year and were in, as Rob would say, salary cap hell and had to make moves that were not probably fun for their football team. But uh, 
I'm still excited to see how the game goes. Excited to see how Jameis goes out and plays as a starter in a really structured system. I also forgot to mention that Jameis has new eyes. Big, Can't forget yeah, we'll, the new we'll eyes. See. I always think it's I think it's decision making for him, but if it is uh, blurry defenders, then watch out, league, because now we're talking about forty touchdowns, fifteen interceptions, and five thousand yards. Just saying, because he also threw for five thousand yards in that season that he threw thirty touchdowns and thirty picks. Legend, as I said, woke up feeling dangerous. Uh, Okay, so last last NFL game we're going to touch on quickly is the Jets at the Panthers, and I think for all of us. Obviously, the most intriguing thing is just Sam Darnold versus old team. Uh, I think two two good storylines out of that is just if the Panthers win, Sam Dar- Darnold gets his revenge. And if the Jets win, man, those fans are going to be laughing their ass off because their boy Zach Wilson would have beat their old boy, Sam Darnold. So first, I'm going to ask this question. My man, my man in uh, Carolina... Is he a defensive guy or an offensive guy? Defensive guy. Is he a defensive guy? Right. I I think the Panthers win because, like, and you guys know, and you guys agree with me, is how big I am on culture. And I think he's established – he's establishing his culture there. I think the culture – look at every place he's touched. He's been successful. He kind of has like a, a Pete Carroll trend to him, even though he's never won a national championship. But every place he's touched, he's had success with, with no problem. And I think if he gets his culture in there and he gets the guys that he wants and he does what he wants to do, I think the Panthers can be successful. Because at the end of the day, right now, they're in a very weak division. You know what I mean? So, uh, well, they have to play the Bucks, but, you know, for the most part, like Falcons and the Saints and then them. I think he he's on an upward trend. I think he's on an upward trend. So hopefully it works out. And you know, Sammy D. I don't think and you know I don't think Sammy D's a bad quarterback. I think he has a chance. So we'll see. I mean, the jury's still out. He has this is his year, right? I always give him three years. This is the year he needs to do it. Or it's you know, it's year four for him. Then he ain't yeah. no good. Because he's, <laughs> he's in the Baker Mayfield, huh. Josh Allen, Lamar, huh. Josh <laughs> Rosen. He ain't no good. He ain't no good. <laughs> That's no good. funny. I think <laughs> I think Rel, I'll go off that trend. Um, you know, it's you never like to – and I'm not saying you judge a coach off game one, but how different does a Robert Sala-led Jets team be? Like, he seemed like from everything you've heard in the interviews about him, and everything that's been written about him, he seems like a really solid, consistent guy. You know, D coordinator of the 49ers the last few years. Um, does he bring some stability to a franchise that's just straight up just very lacking of it? I mean, they had Adam Gaze, and you look back at it, and, like, the biggest recommendation Adam Gaze got for the Jets job was Peyton Manning was said he was a good quarterback's coach. <laughs> and then it was just two years of – was it two or three years? Two years, right? Adam Gates was two years of dumpster fire after dumpster fire. Um, so you'd like to see, you know, them come in. And even if the Jets probably don't win, um, that they have some sort of establishment of a 
like Roe alluded to with Matt Rule, but even with the Jets, like an establishment of a culture and a program and an ability of like building things towards where you want to build it to and what we're building towards. So, um, and obviously football culture always matters. So interesting to see that. And then, you know, Sam Darnold, obviously, but curious to see how Zach Wilson plays as well. Um, the Jets do have a few more playmakers, it seems like, this year. So uh, curious to see how that system carries over. It's Matt Matt LaFleur's brother. I think it's Mike LaFleur, actually, who's the OC. Uh, I, I just was thinking all of a sudden, oh, Christian McCaffrey's back after missing most of the year. So it'll be fun to watch him play again. He's, he's always exciting when, when he's out on the field. That was, a, that was about, honestly, the only other thing I got. I'm only interested in do the Jets fans get to laugh at Sam Darnold losing to them, or do they feel sad because Sam Darnold beat them now that he's on a new team? That's the main interesting thing to me. So that that's about all we have for the NFL. So we're going to move into the, to the end of the podcast, and we decided to – continue our uh, picks for our college games. So Luke now this week's narrowed his, his games down to five. Um, our record after week one, where we did a horrible job of making sure everybody was making a prediction is myself, Ryan, I'm four and seven. Luke is two and five. Roe is four and six. So it, it's pretty funny that we're, we're just going to have to play it off win percentage this year. Uh, listeners and not, just straight wins. So Luke, take us away on the college football front. Okay. So uh, I tried to pick games more or less, again, just games that not were just easy things that we thought, oh, you know, the spread looks good on, but games that actually maybe have a little bit of interest to them going on to relate it to college football. So let's start with, let's start with, you know, kind of interesting one. I thought Um, Illinois at Virginia. Virginia is a 10 point favorite. Illinois just lost to Illinois just lost to UTSA, but then they also just beat or they also beat Nebraska the week before. And then Virginia's one to know they just beat William and Mary last week. Um, William Mary, obviously Found, founding fathers. Very, no, <laughs> no, very, very Catholic school right there. Um, so anyway, my thought is going into a game, I always look when I'm looking at these games and think like, what's the emotional impact from the week before? Like my actual pick last week, I was talking to my dad about one of my picks. I liked UTSA over Illinois. Cause I said, well, Illinois is coming off a big emotional win versus Nebraska. And then I thought like, you know, they'll be a little down. I think actually they will be really up for this game and I'm not very sold on Virginia so my thought is I'll take the points and take Illinois plus 10 over plus 10 versus Virginia. Thoughts? They're, they're playing at home. Illinois is at home. They are playing at, Charlotte. at, Charlottesville. at Charlottesville. I'm going to go with the actual founding father and Thomas slave Jefferson. owner, Thomas Jefferson, Charlottesville. <laughs> uh, what is it? They call him the who's the who's. Cavaliers. Virginia Cavaliers. Cavaliers. That's my pick. That's my pick. They're covering. What time, what time do they play? Mm, Eleven o'clock. Eleven o'clock. Your eleven o'clock. Your time, which is no ten. Ten o'clock. My time. Ten o'clock. Your time, which is eleven o'clock. Ooh. Right in the middle of the day. 
Yeah, Cavaliers. Take the Cavs. Okay. All, All right. right. Next. Okay, another interesting one here. Okay, Oregon, Ohio State. The Buckeyes are 14-and-a-half-point favorites. They beat Minnesota last week, but it was closer than you thought. Minnesota, uh, or, or Ohio State returned a uh, – returned a um, they returned a fumbled fumbled pass for a touchdown, and then they, you know, they threw a swing screen, and Minnesota's linebacker was just completely out of place, and he just ran free. Like, it was cover zero blitz, I swear, cover zero blitz, and then the dude he was supposed to be covering ran the swing screen, and they threw it for 60 yards. So, ended up being a two or three touchdown score. Um, but my thought is, Oregon just played Fresno State close, and it is – in Columbus, what do y'all think? Oregon has a lot of problems. Oregon has O line problems and quarterback problems. It's not that wasn't Buckeyes. just a Fresno. Yeah, Fresno State wasn't clearing by the head. Oregon don't have a quarterback. What do you got, Luke? <sighs> I think Ohio State as well. Fourteen and a half is a lot of points, but Ohio State, man, <laughs> unless, unless Fresno is like damn good. They didn't even cover at home against Fresno State. And I think Fresno State is a good program. But if you're Oregon and you're the number 12 team in the country or whatever they are right now up in that top 15, you cannot be barely beating Fresno State. That's not good. So, yeah, Ohio State is going to take care of business. Yeah, or Ohio State for sure. Oregon does not have a quarterback or O-line. They are struggling at the two most important spots on offense. Yeah, I was keeping up with that game. I mean, it was – Dude, it was re- legitimately very close down to the very end. I mean. Yes. All right. Here's actually the college game day matchup of the day. The Hawkeye State. The Iowa Hawkeyes versus the Iowa State Cyclones. Um, Iowa came out last week, and Iowa's ranked number 10 in the country. Iowa State's number nine, by the way, according to eight people. Iowa came out this week and smashed – Indiana, they smashed them. That was one of our losses, bro. I I watched the game. They beat them. Iowa Indiana game. They beat them thirty four to six, and I don't know it was even that close. They just smashed them. What's the spread on that game? That's why it's four and a half. uh, Iowa State minus four and a half at Jack Trifon Ames. Now Iowa State came out. Iowa State came out first week. And they only beat Northern Damn. Iowa by six. Yeah. But you look at the last few years, Iowa State has lost to Northern Iowa. And then they also lost to Louisiana last year. So Iowa State's always gotten off the. I, I think that, I don't know how it is within a program, but that does play a role. Like they just survived week one and now they're at a marquee matchup week two. They've always struggled week one. So Iowa State minus four and a half at Jack Trice. You just gave an interesting stat, and they're playing in Ames. And I know Matt Campbell, which is one of the top culture guys. You know what I mean? As far as culture in a program, like he's, we were to tier it, he'll be out. You know, he's at the top tiers, right? Either one or two of creating culture of what you want. So I think, even though, even with that, all that being said, Iowa's fucking good this year, dude. Uh, maybe it's just who they played, but Iowa looks really good. They look well-oiled. 
well oiled machine. I'm gonna go Iowa. Iowa covers. Even if Iowa wins by a touchdown, they still cover. Yeah, I mean, if if, if Iowa wins, they cover. Iowa yeah, State. You said favorite. it was. You said it was four. Iowa four State's the favorite. Four and a half. Huh? I I'm gonna call even though so. I want to pick Iowa State for two reasons. I love the three safety defense. And one of my best friends from high school lives in Des Moines and is a big Iowa State fan now and goes tailgating and goes to the games all the time. So I want Iowa State to win. But I'm going to pick Iowa to cover. Iowa State's going to win the game because I want them to. That's my call. Luke, what do you have? I think Iowa State covers. I think they win. I think that's so like so very typical of Iowa. They'll go beat someone by 30 points and look good and look salty, and then next week, you know what happens? Iowa looks back down to average, and they're playing Northwestern and Michigan State in a field goal 3-3 ball game. And then Iowa State always gets better. And my other thing is, this is year three, year three or four, Matt Campbell. Um the only team that Matt Campbell has not beaten in his tenure at Iowa State is Iowa. So they've never beaten State, Iowa. Uh. Uh-uh. So psychologically, like they got past Northern Iowa, they got past their Week One hiccup. Now they're telling everyone, "Dude, we're number nine in the country. We're locked on. This is our stinking year." And we're going to knock off the team that's beat us every other year. This is our rivalry game. We're going to go beat Iowa. And they do it this year. And not only do they do it, they beat them by 10. So they cover. Oh, oh, okay. Gary. Okay. Gary. Okay. Gary. Oh. All right. Let me find the All next right. One. Next one. Okay. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Okay. Here we go. Let's go a little West Coast, Mid Coast action here. Not Mid Coast. There's no such thing as Mid Coast. I guess you're just making shit up, people. If you're talking about right here, the pocket right here, the Great Lakes, we're talking about Washington versus Michigan. Oh. Washington just got beat by (laughs) Montana. (laughs) Montana. The Grizzlies. If you didn't know, they do have a football program out there. Hey, man, Uh, chill. They're a good. they're a do good FCS dis- team. Yeah, yeah get out of here. Montana is a very good FCS team. Oh, that is messed up right there. This Texan just – The big sky Texas is way better than balls around whatever uh, all the Texas schools are. The SoCon or whatever the fuck that is. St- oh, Southland. Southland, yeah. Who's in the big sky? Montana, uh, Montana the, State, Mont- Eastern Washington – uh, UC Davis, Sac State, Weber State, Idaho, Idaho did State. They, did they win the national championship last year in FCS? By the way, Ro, you they send six teams. They send six teams every year. Who won? Who won it this year? Probably I'm South. Modern Day beat the shit out of Duncanville. That's all I have to say about that. That no, that has nothing to do with that. You're right, Ro. <laughs> Ro, I second won. that. I second that. They definitely <laughs> did that shit. All right, back to the lecture at hand. Back to the lecture at hand. So Wisconsin Washington, and or Washington and Michigan. Michigan looked impressive versus Western Michigan week one. And Wisconsin or Washington lost to Montana. So 
Michigan is in the big house, seven-point favorites. Over who? Who are they playing? Washington? Washington. Who just lost to Montana. They're only seven-point favorite? Well, Washington was ranked 20th in the country before they just lost. Lay that and take it all day. And they're playing in, in Michigan? In Michigan. Yeah. What time? I will. What time? Seven. P.M.? So four o'clock our time, bro. Harbaugh's uh, gonna win. Harbaugh will cover that yeah. game. Harbaugh will cover. Harbaugh and the boys. Luke, Roe, make your picks. I said it, Michigan. Take that all day. Take the seven all day. Luke. Washington does have Washington did have four wide receivers out with COVID last week. Doesn't matter. Which makes me think they would have probably, if they were missing their four starting receivers going into a game, they probably would have had some more explosive plays. Um, Michigan has a tendency to do nothing consistently at all when it comes to how they play games. Like, you know, they look good one week, they haven't looked good the next. It's kind of a trademark. Last week, last year, Michigan looked great. Joe Milton was the savior week one, came out and laid an egg the rest of the year. With all that said, Michigan's going to cover, and they're going to cover by more than seven. So I'm going with Michigan as well. All right. Two more games here. Okay. In honor of in honor of our esteemed colleague here who went to the University of Southern Cal, Southern Cal is a 17-point favorite over Stanford. Stanford got what basically it was 24 to nothing and they scored with like two minutes to go in the game to, to make it a seven point game versus Kansas state. But in general, all right. In general, USC, did USC play last week, bro? Yes. Who do they play? Oh man. Who did they play? They won 30. It sounds like state. They won 30 to seven. Okay. Okay. So they played San Jose State and won 30 to 7. All right. Um, my thought is what my thought would be again, uh, golly, 17 points still a lot to give up. That's a lot of points in a Pac 12 game. What do you think, Ro? I mean, you're all modern here. I think Stafford's really bad this year. I don't know what I think they I think it, I don't know if it's a lot of COVID rules that they have to deal with, but I think they're really bad this year. I think I think they'll cover it. I think I think it's like another thirty to seven game. I think yeah, Stanford's not of Stanford caliber. I think they're on a rebuild, which is good because I think Stanford will be patient enough to wait for Shaw to rebuild it back up. But right now they're just not what they they not what they're used they aren't what they used to be. They cover. I'll take it. I'll take the Trojans. Fight on. Right. I would think so too. I would. I would have to think USC covers. Um, Wait, you know I, what? I got to make my pick. I'm going to reverse it. But Rod, go ahead. Rod, you you're going to reverse. Yep. Do yep. you reverse? Reverse it now. Reverse it back to but me. I think that. I think that week one looked bad. Um. Number one. I mean, no offense to Roe, but I'm. I'm, maybe I'll be proven wrong, look like an idiot all year, but I'm just, I'm not high on USC. 
And again, these are teams that have been playing each other. They're very familiar. Like there's no new coaching staffs. They played each other year in, year out. I think Stanford covers. I don't know that Stanford wins, but I think they play them closer than 17, 17 points. You and said it's 17 or 17 and a half? 17. I think Stanford covers. I think it's a closer game than people think. I think Stanford comes out and comes out with a better game plan this week, finds a way to keep the game close, and I think I think they cover. What time of day? Uh, 9.30 my time, so 7.30 y'all's time. They got the they got the Fox night game. Oh, SC SC's rolling in like SC in a night game. Come on, let's go, let's go. Hey, fight on, row. At the Coliseum. Fight hey, on, row. At the Coliseum. Exactly. And it's the weekender. Oh, get get out of here, Luke. At you don't Coliseum, even understand. You don't understand. I get it. I get it. You're from you're from Texas. You don't get it. Fight on. In, okay. in the night in the Coliseum. Come on. Okay, and finally, for I just picked this game for all the mascots out there because there's there's a lot of them. They love pain. They've never coached at AM Kingsville before, but they love pain. Um, there is Vanderbilt, who lost last week to Eastern Tennessee State. Great loss. Great loss. SEC school lost to Eastern Ten- Tennessee State 23 to 3, and actually should have been 33 to 3. Oh, man. And it should have been 30 to 3, but in the fourth quarter, a pick six got called back because of holding, or it would have been 30 to 3. Jeez. Now, on the flip side, you have the Colorado State Rams. I've never known anyone they, has ever put to school there. Oh, Rams gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And if Col- only the listeners knew. If only they and knew. Colorado and they State lost. They lost. lost to they South also lost Dakota. to an FCS team. They lost to South Dakota State 42-23. to Yes. So, a Power 5 school and a group of five, a very well-known group of, group of five school at that matter. Are both 0 and 1 with losses to FCS schools, convincing losses to FCS schools. I'll just rattle you off some of their stats there. Um, let's see here. They are Vanderbilt is 189th in the country in rushing yards, and Colorado State is 143rd. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> they're both giving up over 300 yards per game defensively, and. Let's see. They're both 0-1 versus FCS schools. That's all I need to say. Anyway, so uh, someone has to win this game. Colorado State is actually a seven-point favorite. In Where is Fort it being Collins. played? In Fort Collins? Who do y'all got? At what time? Uh, 7 o'clock West Coast time. I got Frank. Seven I, or wait, I don't even know who the Vanderbilt is. Is it Frank Mason? I don't know. No, he's gone now. No, he's Who cares? Gone. Who cares? The, the nerds are going into Fort Collins. They're braving the altitude. Give me the nerds. Anchor down or whatever Vanderbilt used to say. Yeah, that's, 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 the one, that's the one advantage that they have is the, is the altitude. It's the altitude. The altitude. So you said, I'll take, I'm taking the Rams. The Rams cover. I also God. hate some random fam alums so they're they're so terrible and i still have to say i guess they colorado state they can't be as bad vanderbilt that was terrible they i mean they looked incompetent last week against east tennessee state and okay. it's, and it's really it's really cold up there right now when it's once the sun goes down <laughs> okay so final final game i'm gonna throw at y'all guys because i just missed this one all right and it's actually you know both one and no teams actually 
Okay. So you have the 1-0 Pitt Fighting Panthers versus the 1-0 Tennessee Volunteers. It's in that's, Neyland that's Stadium. That's the toughest one. Yeah, it is. It's in. It's at Tennessee, and it's an 11 o'clock game, and Tennessee's a three-point favorite. Last week, Pitt beat Massachusetts 51-7, to and Tennessee beat Bowling Green 38-6 to last week. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh because Narduzzi's still there, and I'm a defensive guy. So okay. the best I got for you. What What's the spread again? Pitt, uh, Tennessee minus three. No, excuse me, Pitt minus three. On the road. Yep. Hmm. I'm with Roe. That the Narduzzi uh, four three quarters is going to put the clamps on. I say, I say, I say Tennessee. I think okay. Tennessee beats Pitt. All right. All right. Okay. I We're think that, that'll picks. that'll do it for the week. That'll do it for the week. Check back next week uh, to see what the updated standings are, people.